Welcome to the Tech Map Podcast with me, Andy Bargery. Today's episode is another in the Business of Marketing series of episodes where we look at what it takes to run a successful marketing agency or agency business. In this show, I'm talking with Lena Robinson, who runs a specialist agency called FTSQ. And a lot of Lena's work revolves around working with agencies to help them build their brands, to help them tell a story, to build a unique position for themselves in what really is a busy, hectic marketplace. And Lena shares loads of advice around her methodology, her building blocks for how agencies should create their own unique brand and their own unique brand story. So I hope you take some value out of this. It's a hugely interesting area to look at. And really, one of the big areas that I see agencies failing is the inability to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. So lots of value in here. As usual, if you enjoy the show, please let us know. Send us some feedback on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Or if you hate it, let us know too. Let us know what we can do better and uh, we'll work on that. But in the meantime, I hope that you enjoy the show. Hi, Lena. How are you today? Great, thanks. How are you? I am really good. Thanks, Lena. Really good indeed. Thanks for joining the TechMap podcast today. You are very welcome. I'm quite excited. Yeah, me too. You know, I'm really, I think excited is the right word actually to have you on the show because I know what we're going to talk about is of such importance to marketing agency owners and agencies as a whole that I think it's going to be really valuable. But um, before we get into that, why don't you just introduce yourself and, you know, what you've been up to and how you've got to, to where you are today? Sure. Business-wise, that is. Of course, no problem. Um, my name's Lena Robinson. I've been in the agency world in one way, shape, or form for the last 16 years just in the UK. Won't tell you how long before that in New Zealand because everybody will know how old I am. Um, <laughs> so my background has been marketing and new business senior roles uh, in agencies, whether that be the big ones like Ogilvy and Wonderman, um, or the two-man bands in Shoreditch, or my final role, which was doing business development and marketing and new business for the whole of the Dentsu Aegis network in the UK. So been around, seen, uh, seen a lot of things, <laughs> got the T-shirt when it comes to agency new biz. And then from there, wanted to do something a little bit different. So uh, in 2014, uh, set up um, a agency for agencies, for want of a better word, focusing on brand positioning and marketing and new business strategy consultancy for um, agencies, specifically small to medium ones. So been doing that for quite a while. Perfect. And I think I can't recall whether it was when you were at Wonderman or whether it was at Dentsu that we first met. Um, but it certainly I've got to... I think. Was it Dentsu? It might have been. Yeah. I know we had yeah. a few of those boardroom meetings up in your uh, yeah. meeting space. Didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, and but certainly it is the work you were doing uh, helping agencies to to brand themselves to build their businesses that is really what has I guess piqued my interest and wanted to get you onto the show today because I guess to put it to, to put it into context I've been working in the agency landscape for about 20 years um, as well so have seen quite a few different um, agency setups including setting up my own and one of the things that I have seen over the years, and I guess a criticism I've heard from client side marketeers is that, you know, agencies generally, they look kind of the same from the outside. You know, they yeah. all say that we want to be a partner to our clients. We deliver great client service, yada, yada, yada. We're a partner and, and all that good stuff. But there's something really missing from the agency landscape that, uh, it, and that I think is differentiation. You know, we all do kind of look quite vanilla. And so what I, what I really wanted to do to, today and, and to explore with you is how can an agency build its positioning, build its brand so that it isn't seen the same as everyone else and to use that as a way to give itself, I guess, a competitive advantage when it comes to winning your business? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I did a really interesting thing once. I was going to be giving a talk on this very subject, actually, a few years ago, and on a Saturday night sitting at home drinking a few whiskeys, I decided that I was going to have a look at as many 
Twitter accounts for agencies as possible just to see what they had to say. And oh my God, what a shock I got. Everybody was saying the same old shit. We're a creative agency in London, cool, funky, award-winning, blah, blah, blah. A whole lot of absolute bollocks that doesn't differentiate anybody from anything. And yet I know meeting lots of agency founders and, and so forth and people in, in the agency world, big or small, that most of them, and particularly the small ones actually, they have got something that differentiates them, but they often just don't know how to dig into it. And I think part of it is that agencies forget that they too are a brand. And one of the challenges I push back to agencies is, you, you know, you are a brand as well. You know, they talk about brand side, agency side, but actually agencies, you have a brand, you have a thing that you should be standing for, you should have communications that are landing a particular message, but 99% of the time agencies are failing to do that, um, which I think is quite sad. And I, I think it's just like, you know, the old plumber's toilet and his toilet doesn't flush, you know, it's kind of... We're not so cobbler good at looking shoes. at our own stuff. Well, the cobbler's shoes with a hole in it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that you saw that. And, it, and even just taking a, a glance at their Twitter handles is enough to tell you that, isn't it, without having to dig any deeper and look at websites or even... Oh, shocking. It, I was quite... I mean, I literally looked at hundreds. It was quite gobsmacking. Um, and it's really interesting because I sold my other business last year and um, the one that I've got... Uh, now FTSQ, although we're very still much working with agencies and so forth, our whole thing is much more about um, not conforming to the norm and and using the thing that makes you different to stand out. And you often get a lot of agencies that want are constantly comparing themselves to their competition. And I actually go, just stop doing that because the more you try and compete with your competition, the more you're not going to be yourselves. And I think you need to focus more on who you are than on who everybody else is because the more you just keep doing the competition comparison thing. I mean, it's good to know what they're doing, don't get me wrong, but if all you're doing with your brand is going, oh, I want to be more like Sanso or I want to be more like this agency or that agency, then you're just going to disappear. That's not good. Do you know, it's funny. I was having a chat with a copywriter the other day and she was saying how frustrating it was to receive briefs from clients when they say, look, we don't know what we want to say, but there's our competitor's website. We want to say what they're saying, really. And it's kind of like recreate what they're doing for us. Um, and that's not just with agency businesses. That's any, any kind of business that she was working with. But it's interesting that quite often you can get hung up on looking too closely at the competition. Uh, and as you say, yeah. not developing your own persona, your own personality. It's really interesting because yeah. I get that, asked that question about my own business and, you know, who do you compete with? And as far as I'm concerned, nobody. <laughs> you know, I'm, I am who I am. The business is who it is. And it stands up for what it believes in and it stands up. And, and I think that's another thing. We've gone from um, mad men to yes men and women in the world. And um, we've lost that ability, I think, as agencies to stand up for what we believe in and have our own voice. And, you know, that's come from a number of reasons. We've, you know, many of us have gone through recessions. We've gone through hard times. We're worried about losing clients. You know, in the big agency world, people have been worried about um, shareholders and big bosses and, and board board level people that they've got to report to others have been smaller businesses have been you know how do I pay the wages need to make sure my teams are paid all those kinds of things so there's lots of reasons why I think that fear has crept in and why people have stopped in agency world having such an opinion um, and it needs to be a strong opinion it needs to be fundamentally based on what you believe as a business and I think which comes back to your bit about behaving like a brand a lot of agencies are working with brands and they know how to build brands, but what they're not aware of is how they need to behave like one. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Okay, so behaving like a brand is the way to become a brand almost. And I, I like what you're saying there about um, mad men to yes men because I've certainly seen that change where agencies have become less about you know providing strategic consultant consultancy and advice to clients and more about just getting stuff done yeah. um you know following the client's advice and not challenging that and creating extra value there but you know I think see I don't understand why people do that I really don't and I'll tell you why Go ahead. I 
part of part of the the work that I was I do around brand positioning is doing interviews with clients clients so that's brand brand side marketeers and when you ask them you know why the what what's missing or why did they hire one that agency over the other agency it's either they hired them because they felt understood and so forth but the reason why what they often felt was missing was I hire them because they've got a point of view was what the brand people said, meaning the agencies that they were speaking to. And it's like what was coming out theme after theme after speaking to hundreds and hundreds of brand marketeers was they are hiring agencies to advise them on the things they don't know how to do. Therefore, why are we standing back and not doing what we should be doing? They hire us because we know what we're doing in, in, in experiences that they don't have. If you have a client that then pushes back on that and goes, well, don't tell me what to do, then my question is, why are you working with me? And I've had my clients do that. You know, sometimes some of my clients will go, oh, can you just do what I've told you to do? And I go, no. And the reason for that is, is because we'll discuss it, but you've hired me because I know what I'm doing and for my expertise. So either you've got to have the balls enough to get rid of that client, which I've done before, or you talk to that client and you go, well, why are we working together then if you're not going to listen to what I have to say? It's, it's, and it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah, that is hard. And I, and I think maybe that that level of bravery is missing. Yeah, it is brave. And it is, it's, it's, it is scary. And don't, I don't want anybody to think that I don't find it scary. I do. Because I've still got to pay wages and pay bills just as much as anybody else. But yeah, you've yeah. got to stand behind what you believe in. Otherwise, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. And we're kind of we're kind of into the realm of uh, client servicing here, aren't we? And so, so let's kind of let's bring it back because what yes, I really sure. want to explore with you today, Lena, is you know how should agencies develop their own brand and use that as a way to strategically position themselves differently and to use that as a as a way to build their businesses. So let, let's kind of go to one hundred and one here. You know, yep. what's the what are the building blocks of a great agency brand? Where do we start with that? Well, you have to start with, and I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, which some of you may know who he is. Um, you need to start with why. And it is easier for an agency if the founders are still there. That does make life a little bit easier, but it can be done when they're not. You need to ask yourselves and dig deep as to why does your business exist? What is its driver and what is motivating the founders of your business to do what you do, not what you do, not how you do it, which is unfortunately is what most agencies focus on in their positioning. I'm gobsmacked at how many agencies do not understand what brand positioning actually is as well. Like it's, there's your sales positioning, which is one thing, but your brand positioning is why do you exist? What's motivating you? What legacy do you want to leave behind? And what do you stand for? And if you don't get those things sorted out first, it's going to make everything else absolute nightmare to, to sort. You, your marketing is going to be difficult. Your lead generation is going to be difficult. Your What you're landing is going to be difficult because you're not knowing what you stand for. And also leading your team is going to be difficult. It might be functionally okay, but what vision you have for your business and where you want it to go and what you want it to be able to achieve in this world is a you know that's really important so that's number yeah, one I agree. Let, and, let me just relate to that as well because with my agency Claxon, and, and and you know what I was up to with my agency we weren't a big team but I had a junior guy in the team and he actually queried me on that he said no what, what what's your vision for the business where are you trying to take it you know and for him it was a he couldn't understand what I was trying to achieve because I hadn't articulated it and because he couldn't understand it he didn't really he wasn't fully committed to the business you know he wasn't we weren't going in the same direction. So it was really hard to keep that guy motivated. Yeah. It was really hard to keep him, you know, pulling in the same direction as me. So, so yeah. that for me, in terms of motivating your, your team, is a crucial piece uh, to get that vision right. It's a crucial piece of getting your culture right as well. But, it's been um, one of the biggest it, benefits with the clients that I've worked with, besides the new business side of things, that one of the biggest benefits has been the team 
falling in behind the leaders of the business. It's moving from being a manager of your business to being a leader of your business as well. You get that right, it's much easier to lead. Absolutely. Oh, well, there's a whole new, we could, we could go off for a long time on leadership <laughs> here. I think for another well. day. Uh, we're going to have to do lots of these sessions, Lena, you know that, don't you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but let's go back to, um, so the, the, the why and Simon Sinek is, he's obviously start with the why is very, yeah. uh, very well known and it's a really important piece of work. And I think a lot of people have, uh, that struck a chord with them. But something you said you said there as well is what do you stand for? Yeah. Um, so what do you mean by that? What do you stand for? What do you what do you would you expect an agency to be able to say if you ask them what is it that you stand for? What are the kind of things that you're looking for? Sure. So if you're going to have a point of view on something, I guarantee most agency owners that I've met, if they've come away from big agency world. There tended to have been a reason something annoyed them or something that they saw wasn't being done with clients that they thought they could do better and what have you. And often that why comes from, I don't know, something that that point of view really came from something that they saw wasn't being done well. So for me, a good example of that is um, my point of view on the world, for example, is pretty strong um my point of view is that number one I don't like working with dicks can't be bothered with people that way. <laughs> so I'm quite happy to stand up and talk about that and what have you but at the same time I've got other clients who for example have um got a point of view on technology which is because their agency was as strong in brand building and brand strategy as it was in digital and technology, their their point of view is about where brand and tech meet in the middle and everything that they communicate and every story they tell, every creative piece of writing they write from a, a blog piece or a event or a um, piece of marketing in any form that is the one thing that they make sure that they are landing because they really care about that. They really care that technology shouldn't be just for technology's sake and brand needs new technology now to take it to that next level. That's a really solid place for them to have a strong point of view on. So that's a that's a really good example of having a point of view. Um, and it enables them to to use that as a filter. And I think that's really important. Um, how do you mean as, as a filter to filter out people that they can work with or um, more what do you mean more a filter of of any content going out so no matter what content goes out whether it be like I said no matter what format it's in on social or it's blogging or it's case studies or it's you know talks or events or anything that they go through that becomes the communications theme filter because that has to be their point of view as an agency. But it also has to be um, relevant to the audience as a point of view, and it also has to be authentic, which is why it's really sometimes quite difficult for agencies to figure out with what their point of view is on their own. Often they try and do that and they struggle because they just go round and round in circles, and I would advise getting somebody else to help you do that as an agency, no matter who you decide to get in, get somebody else in. Because nine times out of 10, when I've come across agencies that have tried to do it themselves, two or three times, maybe even four, they keep struggling and fighting with it. And that's because they keep looking at their own belly buttons and can't figure out what their point of view is on their own. And sometimes you need to challenge that with somebody else first. So um, I think that's really important. Um yeah, absolutely, and I guess it's about having the everyone on the uh, in the team having the same point of view, right? So if you're if that is your focus about where technology is being used to deliver marketing performance, for example, then you know everyone has to be on the same page within your team to communicate that effectively. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that I warn my clients about, I said, I usually say, do not be surprised if those in your team that don't believe what you believe don't stay long. And you have to be prepared for that. But if you want a team that's all pulling in the same direction, you need to have people that care and believe what you do. 
Otherwise, it makes it really difficult. And they'll usually self-select. But don't yes. be surprised if that happens. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I think that that's actually a good thing for the health of the business. If those that aren't fully brought into your vision, your why, don't stick around because that you know you you can't you can't build a differentiating point of view if you don't all agree on the same point of view. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Okay, so we're going to start with the why. Of the same point of view, but as an agency, you need to have a point a particular view on the world. Yeah, absolutely agreed. So, so we're going to start with the why. We've worked out what the why is. Uh, where do we? What are this? What's the next kind of building block up from there in terms of creating our agency brand? So that's that's really simple. Um, content is a huge part of that. It's one of the easiest ways to get your point of view out into the world. Um, it's, it sounds functional, but you need to create yourself a content calendar. But know your audience. Like one of the difficult things that agencies hardly ever do, even the good ones that do decent pieces of um, audience research on their clients, even the big agencies that I've worked for never had their audience profiling done properly. So you need to, in fact, probably even before you get to the why bit, you might want to start with who um, you're needing to talk to because you need to know in relevancy terms your why is it going to land with the audience that you're going after. So it'll either help you adjust who your audience is or it will make you adjust what your why needs to be in relevancy to the audience because there's no point having a why if it's not going to be relevant to anybody. Um, so, yeah, get to know who, who your audience is. What they're, And I'm not just talking demographics, which is usually as deep as anybody goes. It's usually, oh, we'll go after these sectors. Like, yeah. what's going on in those sectors? What are their pain points? Not just as businesses and organizations and sectors, but what is the job title of the people that you're going after? What's their pain? Who are they responsible to? Who, what are they stressed out and what's keeping them up at night? If you don't know any of that stuff, what are you doing in marketing, quite frankly? But agencies very rarely think about audience to that level for themselves. And this is, again, behave like a brand. Because if you don't do that, then you're just not behaving like a brand. So that, yeah. that's something that I think is vitally important. Because without that, you don't know who inspires them. You don't know what's going to land right, what's going to interest them when it comes to your writing. Because... If you don't line up what you want to say with what they want to hear, you might as well just be talking into the ether and nobody's listening. Yeah, you'll get no return from that effort of all your content if you're not aligned to who your audience is and what they care about. And and one of the most effective ways I've seen that done in a kind of pure biz dev point of view is to actually look at a particular sector, look at the challenges in that sector, then look at the key brands and then look for a challenger brand. So a good example for if you want to look at swimwear, look at Speedo, and then then look to Zogs, for example, and then you can play them the two off against each other and say, look, we can see what they're doing. We can see what their challenges, needs are, where their direction is. Why don't you learn from that? Why don't you, ha- why don't you allow us to help you to build on that, um, on that knowledge? So I think audience yeah, profiling is definitely a key thing. I think the reason why it's important as well, one of the things that I think agencies are really bad at, most of them do it, is scattergun approach and trying to appeal to everybody. And they've just got to stop doing that. And it's fear that gets in the way again of that, of not being able to, and it doesn't mean you can't work with different sectors that might come at you, but think about your marketing needs to be aiming at a particular group of people and it needs to be appealing to those kind of people. Otherwise, your marketing messaging is going to be wishy-washy and all over the place. And again, you're not going to be standing for anything. But you need to be okay with having a brand that puts off the people you don't want to work with and attracts the people you do. And I'm not just talking sector. I'm talking personality and culture. Because the higher likelihood of winning in any kind of new business scenario is based on whether you're going to get on and whether you're going to work well and I've done this job for so long now, I know for a fact that the main reason why one agency will be picked over another is because they felt that the client felt understood. And the reason they felt understood is because there was a cultural and um, mindset alignment. Yeah, that, that's, I totally agree with that. It's just really hard to, to communicate that kind of cultural. See, I don't think uh, it is. 
alignment. No, okay, go on. Tell me why. Go and have a look at my website and then tell me whether or not I'm going to be approached by dickheads. Unlikely. (laughs) Yeah. I've intentionally, and I know not every brand needs to be as ballsy as what FTSQ is, but there's a reason why I do that. I want to attract nonconformists. I want to put off dickheads that don't respect each other and aren't ethical, aren't honourable and decent in business. And I think it's pretty clear when you look at my website, if you truly are who you're saying you are, it won't be as difficult as you think, but you need to know who you are. And I think that's where people are tripping up. You need to know who you want to work with because then you can very clearly create a brand positioning and a way of communicating and a tonality that will put off the people you do not want to work with. Yeah, I, I really like that. I mean, I think I think you said earlier that most agencies, you know, are kind of at the top level, they're cross sector. So at the very least, start with a sector to focus on. And I've certainly seen over the last five or so years, perhaps more, that clients want to have uh, sector specific experts to work with. But then on that next tier up then, so once you've got beyond that qualification of are they in the sector that I'm in? Yes, no. Then perhaps move on to the cultures and the the, the sort of style of working that we've talked about just there as, as you're well. going to get annoyed at me with this but I'm going to disagree with you again um Lena I'm not going to invite you back <laughs> if you keep disagreeing with me <laughs> um <laughs> and I tell you what no sector's one and I don't disagree with you on that sector is one of the areas however and I've been able to help agencies with this a lot over the years that if they wanted to get into a different sector that they didn't they're as much looking for sector experience as that they are looking for experience of you know how to fix a certain problem. So you can go into a sector with a, if you've been able to fix a similar problem in a completely different sector and that's the way that you communicate about your case study, then the sector becomes irrelevant. If you're really good at talking to, I don't know, 50 plus people that are, second home buyers and you're really good at fixing a particular issue that they've had I can't think of something off the top of my head but anyway um you know if you're really good at fixing that thing and that thing is something that's needed in sector c that you're looking at but aren't in then you can actually do that without having to have had their sector experience and also by the way it's only certain companies I find and certain brands that mind so much about the sector experience, some don't. I'm just thinking that through and, and just trying to relate to that to some of my experiences. And, I, you know, in the last year, I've had a, a few opportunities that have come up. For for example, more recently, in the last few weeks, I had a, an opportunity with a financial services company, um, quite a big, well-known brand. And the opportunity came in and I was quite clear that I don't have any experience in this sector. I've done no marketing whatsoever in the financial services sector. Uh, but I'm happy if you want to have a look at what I've done and see whether that relates to the challenges that you want to overcome. And I think in the end, it came down to the fact that uh, their sector experience wasn't right. And so that opportunity went away. And I've seen that a few times um, uh, over the the course of my career in agency in that, you know, that 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 sector is the starting point but i totally get what you're saying and i really i really like what you're saying as well as if you can solve a particular issue it doesn't really matter which sector you're in you know the issue is is fundamentally the same you can apply that to different audience demographics yeah. and still i mean don't get me wrong like you said there are going to be some people that it's one of the criteria no matter what you can't get around that and that's fine and that does happen totally agree with that there are yeah. but you okay. can push past that a lot of time i've had that in big pitch situations and small ones before and been able to talk my way around that by saying, well, actually, if you step back and look at it this other way, it might be quite good to have a fresh set of eyes. We understand it from this angle, but this is what we've been able to do in a completely separate sector, but I've fixed this problem by doing this. And I've managed to talk my yeah. way into being on the pitch when I shouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, know I um, get that. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so let's let's just look where we've got to. So we've started off with the why, and then we've looked at um, audience profiling, which might may or may not come just before the yep. why, or perhaps they're intertwined. Then we've moved on to content and using content as a way to engage our audiences, uh, our target audiences. What's next? Yeah, so uh, there's a little bit more on the content as well. So you okay. definitely need to create yourself a content calendar, 
and and it needs to be making sure because if you've got a broad enough communications theme and you've got a broad enough um the way that you've communicated your point of view you can still have your point of view on loads and loads of different topics so that's the cool thing about having a strong um point of view you can then have throughout the year on multiple different topics that are happening either uh that are seasonal if you've got certain businesses that are seasonal or things that are going on throughout the year um and that kind of thing and having a content calendar i think is really important because for me the strength of um building brand reputation for yourself is as strong as it is getting on the phones and sending out emails and all that kind of stuff you it makes makes it much easier to do your lead generation if people know who you are and what you stand for so for me i have a phraseology which is you need to move from chase to attract agencies go into chase mode more often than not straight to lead generation even before they've worked out their audience profiling before they've got their brand positioning and before they've got content or anything out there which is wrong don't do that that's just stupid but what you need to <laughs> what you yeah. need to do is you need to work on building your brand reputation so that when you get to the lead gen part of it it makes it easier no matter which format you do it in so the next stage on from the content is where is it going to go Again, that comes back to knowing your profiling. So if you understand your profiling, what they read, what publications they're reading, what blogs they're reading, what events they're going to, what speakers they like listening to, what podcasts they like listening to, all those kinds of things, that, again, like any good marketeer, you then know where to go to as far as what platforms they're using. So is your audience mainly on Facebook or is it on LinkedIn? Is it on um uh is it reading you know uh the sunday times or is it reading the guardian or is it reading um marketing week or is it reading campaign or do you know what i mean like yeah absolutely so you i guess you're looking at distribution there yeah totally you? about distribution you need to figure that out yeah. and you need to figure out you know not only um, distribution, but engagement. Again, agencies are really rubbish. They broadcast, and yet they should know better, but they're always constantly <laughs> just broadcasting. You need to engage. You need to build a community. You need to build a group of people that, again, you're attracting the kind of people that you want to work with as opposed to chasing down people that, if you're realistic, are never going to say yes. Like 99.9% .9 of the world has probably got Apple or Nike or somebody like that on their list of brands that they want to work with or BMW or Austin Martin or whatever. The reality is, is that if you flip it around and go, why would they want to talk to you? The likelihood is they probably don't would be my guess with most, most brands. If they do, then great. But yeah, you need to be very careful about where you're spending your time, especially when you're a small agency and you're trying to do it while you're still trying to run the business. Some of you might not have yeah. marketing people. You're trying to do it all yourself. Like You need to be uh, effective and efficient with your time and the places and understand where your audience already is. Once you do yeah. that, do you know you're really clear how you need to build brand reputation, what events you need to be trying to speak at, what events you should be hosting yourselves. Round tables are awesome for that kind of thing because it allows you to, um, one, pick, it, pick the topic. It allows you to control who's attending. But it also allows you to show you what them what you're good at without selling at them. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's, a, you know, there's an awful lot. There's an awful lot in there, Lena, when we're looking at content, because it's, you know, as an agency, one of the things typically that we're really great at as agencies is producing great content. So we could spend all our time doing that. And I think one of the challenges that as agencies we need to be aware of is that we don't spread ourselves too thinly. We choose, you know, a, a small set of topics and issues we want to focus on and we choose a small set of distribution or content vehicles. So whether it's a podcast or whether it's speaking opportunities or round tables or whatever that is and you just really focus on doing that really really well because um you know i think that 
almost what's been done to death over the last few years is content marketing and to get that cut through is and that traction is not necessarily always that easy particularly when there's a sea of other agencies doing a similar sort of thing so um i think content's exactly right and i love chase um to attract that's exactly right and i think that you know lots of agencies myself included over the years have very much focused on how do we start conversations with brands rather than how do we attract them to come to us and it's it feels almost easier to do it that way around but as you say it's probably the wrong way yeah no definitely it's hard to chase people you know and they're used to being chased as well but yes, if you yeah. if you have your opinion if it is different if you're not afraid of being controversial and i don't see you don't necessarily have to be but if you if you're okay with being different um and standing out as different and saying something that not everybody else is saying like, you know as john hegarty says zig when everybody else is zagging then you know, your content can step out. See, I I weirdly think it's actually quite good in some ways that there's a sea of blah, because if you do say something different, it's real easy to stand out. Oh yeah, really. okay, that that makes sense. And I always I always love to look at someone like um, do you know Velocity Partners, their B two B content marketing agency, and and I think their content really really stands out. And there are a sea of B two B content marketing and inbound agencies, but Velocity just always sat the quality of their output always stands out to me. And I think it's because they're the, the direction for that content is led by a, you know, pretty seasoned um, ad agency, creative man. And, and he's kind of using those skills to turn what could sometimes be seen as a slightly less exciting end of the agency world, but producing great content to communicate. That. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges with content is as well as that agencies do produce a lot of good content, but is it relevant content? To the audience that I would challenge agencies on. Again, often agencies are saying what they want to say rather than what they understand the audience needs to hear. Ah, yes, absolutely. But there's something else you mentioned in there. Um, it's the word reputation that you yeah. mentioned a little bit in there. Let's just um, let's just kind of riff on that a little bit. So, reputation for an agency. How do you how do you build a reputation if you are a, a young small agency and you haven't got a um, a huge deck of credentials to start sharing around. So this is where, and I, and I, I think the world of social media changed things for content and reputation for businesses forever. It is where the smaller agencies can take on the big guys and win. So the good thing is, is that in a small agency, you've got less people to sign stuff off. So just do what needs, you know, get it out there and do what needs to be said. Have that, point of view which is strong and powerful but get out there and you can make noise you know um with all the free even opportunities that we have at our disposal out there from a content distribution perspective the ability to have our strong point of view out in the marketplace sitting alongside the big guys you can be a small agency and get noticed you know, if you're willing to step up, and this is the thing, are you willing as an agency to step up? Because if you're not willing to get out there and get to the right events where your audience is, hunt down and fight for opportunities to speak, if you're not willing to write content, which I've come across a few agency owners go, oh, I don't, I don't like doing that. Well, guess what? Somebody else is going to come in and take over. So you want to, to stand out, you need to step up. Um, and I think a small agency can have a reputation. You know, I'm a two-person business at the moment. My reputation is everything for me to get this business off the ground. And I'm trying to make noise and I'm doing it the best way I can, which is on social media, by having a point of view, by writing strong blogs, by putting on events like I'm going to be about how to build brand reputation in a couple of weeks, you know, all those kinds of things. Get out there. It's the one thing you've got over the big guys or as same as, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the effort and the passion from small agencies often comes across much more so than it does a large corporate agency when you're talking to uh, the, the leadership of, the, of those agencies in any case. Okay, right. So we've got the why, we've gone to the audience profile and we've got the content. We've then gone to um, 
distribution and then we're talking about engagement and reputation what next do we need to be thinking about or is that the kind of full suite of things that we should kind of explore and focus on to to kind of create that unique brand position no, di- definitely there's other things um that need to be doing so uh for example just to add it's kind of bolting on actually to the end of what the last piece was about reputation so um there's some simple things you can do tactically and I'll give you an example of this. Um, couple of about a month and a half ago, on a Sunday afternoon, I was on Facebook and uh, somebody talked about something that, uh, with regards to business development, that I categorically disagreed with, and I was vocal about that with the person not disrespectfully because I was obvious he had a following and all the rest of it but he said something that I disagreed with and I was happy to stand up and write something back and say well actually I don't agree with you and this is all the reasons why so getting involved and not just standing back and being a voyeur when it comes to group conversations get involved in groups on LinkedIn get involved in groups on Facebook um, contribute your point of view and showcase what you're doing. And as a result of that, I got a new client out of the back of it, not from the person watching the conversation, but actually the person that was watching the conversation on Facebook connected with me that night, introduced me to someone that needed the sort of services that I offer. And within a week, I had a new client that's based uh, overseas, first international client that I've had, which is great. So. I think reputation is about standing behind what you say and actually getting involved and networking and f- facing up, you know, um, using every opportunity and not thinking that, you know, you can just sit back and watch. Cause yeah, I think there's no there's no place for spectators in the agency landscape. If you If you want to be in the game, you've got to be present, you've got to contribute, you've got to uh, be present, as yeah. it were. Definitely. Okay. So then, so the next bit was about if you've got all that sorted, the next bit is you, you're targeting and getting going with sales, and agencies hate that word, hate it. Vengeance. We don't do sales. Get a grip. Yes, you do. You don't have to necessarily <laughs> yes. call it sales if you don't want to, but at the end of the day. You are selling your services to brands, whether you like it or not. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing, but you do have to behave in a certain way. So you need to get your targeting right. You need to be very clear about who you're going after and don't try and scattergun again. Your top line, you know, golds and silvers should probably not be any more than sort of anywhere between 50 and 150 brands at most. And then filter them, work through them, research them all and figure out which ones you should be spending your time in. So you've got gold, silvers and bronzes and then treat them differently. You know, your golds you need to research in depth and it could be only five to 10 brands, but then proactively pitch them with thoughts, ideas and thinking based on insight on their business and their brand and their industry. Silvers, again, Letters, weirdly enough, have a better cut through. And there's been a recent study by the post office, I think, that have, for obvious reasons, direct marketing for them is a big thing. But there's been research proven that um, physically getting something in your hand combined with social media is one of the now most powerful things together. I think it increases your likelihood of uh, social interaction by. I think it's about 40% or something. Yeah, I've seen that creative on Facebook quite a lot recently. Yeah. So, but you ha- yeah, you just have to get that targeting right, but then you have to market accordingly. And my advice for that is find somebody that knows how to sell. Don't just find somebody that's a good account manager that knows how to do a pitch because they are very rarely the same person. Farmers versus hunters. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So if you have to hire it in, hire it if you have to find somebody in your business that's going to be better at that than other people then move them into that job or if you're good at doing it yourself do it yourself but it is a discipline agency business development is a discipline in its own right and 
knowing how to market, knowing how to do pitches is not the same as knowing how to do business development because to do business development, you have to have a certain personality type. You have to have a drive and a tenacity in you that will never let go. That you know, has got to think, keep going. I think that, uh, yeah, we could go on this one for quite a while, actually, you know, because I, I, t- I totally agree with you. Yeah. I get asked all the time about, oh, God, do you know why someone I've, I've had to fire another one? And I keep going, yeah, it's because you keep hiring the wrong people. <laughs> you keep putting your account managers in there. Oh, they've been really good account managing. No. You know, if I look back at my agency career, I was always a really, really good farmer. You know, always built accounts. We always, you know, made great success of every account. So I thought that I would be able to translate that skill into business development for my own agency. And I found that transition extremely hard. Yeah. And it took me quite a long time to get to a state where I was able to really do biz dev quite well um, and, and build those skills. It probably would have been much better for me to have hired someone to do that. And I think that that is a challenge that a lot of agency owners and and their leaders will probably f- uh, struggle with that decision because hiring someone to do biz dev isn't easy either. No, because also the problem is there's a lot of people out there that say that they're good at it and they're shit. So, <laughs> Call a spade a spade, Lena. It's not an easy job yeah. to fill at all. I'm constantly getting phone calls from people to go ask whether I know anybody because also – Agency new business is a very specific discipline and the best people out there know how to do the marketing bit of it and the chase to attract model, but also now know how to do write an email and pick up a phone in a way that a farmer just doesn't know how to do. They just don't. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. And I think also, Lena, on, on that point, I suppose, is you know, that alignment of sales and marketing, you know, I think that the sales end, the development, the business development is much harder if you haven't got all that other stuff lined up first, much, yeah. much harder. If you haven't got your why, you haven't got your content, you haven't got your positioning, you haven't built a reputation, all that stuff's got to come first. Otherwise, the sales is super difficult. Yeah, no, it is. And it's a really interesting point, actually, because I've often been part of conversations where people have said, oh, lead generation doesn't work. Hiring a lead gen agency doesn't work. And nine times out of 10, when I've come into that situation, I've hired them as well myself when I was in agency world. So I do that. I know they do work. They usually don't work because the agency hasn't given them the tools they needed. They haven't given them the brand positioning. They haven't given them something that's differentiating. They all have gone is, look, here's some case studies. We're amazing people. We've, we've got the best people in the world. Crack on, sell that. We're award winning. Yeah. <laughs> what? Against everybody else? come on guys yeah yeah i'm with you 100 percent. and i think and don't get me wrong not all good not all lead gen agencies are good some of them are a bit shit but nine times out of ten when i've seen it fail it's been the agency's fault in my opinion i think that's the case so so often when you appoint an, uh, a third party to do it and not just business development but a good example is if you appoint a pr agency to to build news for you but you've got nothing interesting to say you've got no point of view you've got no brand you've got no nothing yeah. to talk about they're not going to get much coverage for you it's exactly the same no. you've got to fuel that fire with good stuff um, you do yeah, yeah you okay. do. and it is, it is a str- and even if you've got an in-house business i think I come across a lot of people, young people that I mentor who are good new business people, but often struggle with bosses that don't understand that. Why why have we not won new business within two or three months of you working? The reality is this, guys out there, agency people, if you are starting from scratch and you are starting a new business approach from scratch, having not really sorted out your brand positioning, not really having sorted everything else out, like your focus and your targeting and all the rest of it, from beginning to end, the likelihood of you winning new business and getting that pipeline properly up and going takes between a year and 18 months. And if you are expecting a brand new, new business person to come in and have won lots of business within six, three to six months, you are delusional. And if it does happen, it's sheer luck, sheer luck. And that's me having done this for 15 years in this country of where I have that experience from. So I think agency owners and founders put people in, one, they put the wrong people into those jobs. Two, when they do put the right people in, their expectations are ridiculous. 
I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. And I've, and I've seen that as well. You know, you yeah. expect the results within three to six months, but you haven't put all the groundwork into it and empower that person to deliver those results. You can't you. expect that person to fix the fact that your business is not bringing in the money that quickly. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. I agree. Lena, I, I would love to carry on talking to you about this, but we are getting on. So what I want no to do is I know that you have got a workshop coming up all about building reputation and and uh, brand for agencies. I'd love for you to just to give that a quick intro here. Um, and then uh, I'd like to also ask you how people can get in touch with you if they want to pick up the conversation, they want to learn more about how they can build their uh, agency's brand. Yes, uh, we've got a one day work style uh, masterclass coming up. Uh, called Reputation, How to Make Your Brand Stand Out in a Day. So it's a day worth of working with us. It's on the 15th of May, 9 till 5. Food will be provided, so no worries about that. Um, And I think what's really interesting about it is that it's going to be looking at all the things. It's going to be looking at audience. It's going to be looking at brand positioning. It's going to be looking at content creation, marketing and new business strategies and so forth. So it's the full shebang. Uh, and in order to get a bit of an idea about it, a- ahead of time, we're doing a one-hour taster webinar, Build Your Brand, Grow Your Business, which is going to be on Wednesday the 17th of April at 11 a.m. for an hour. So that'll give people an idea of uh, tasting uh, an hour of working with me, time with me, etc. cetera. Uh, and there will be opportunity for questions as well, which is great for people. So there's that. Both are available on Eventbrite. Will you, Lena, will you send me the links and I can put those in the show notes? Yep, absolutely. Perfect, perfect. How should folks get in touch with you if they want to uh, pick up the conversation directly? So there's a number of ways you can get in touch with me. Um, uh, you can get us on my email, which is lena.robinson at ftsq.co.uk. Um, pick up the phone. I love how to chat 0797-185-8894 or look at the website um, or all socials. Anything to do with FTSQ or FTSQ Go On is usually our social. Lena, look, you've shared loads of good stuff there. I hope that people get some value. I hope they get in touch. Um, and I'd love to get you back. There's, there's kind of, I don't know, four or five different cans of worms we opened up there. We could have gone down in some depth. We haven't, so maybe we can do in the future. <laughs> but um, it's been an amazing... Something you talk, talk about for hours, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's been a really good conversation for me. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone else will too. So, look, thanks again for for joining me, and uh, we'll speak again soon. No worries. See you later.